This is Vaya Con Munoz with Natalia Munoz on 96.9 WHMP. Hi, Larry. Good morning, Natalia. Okay, so whose streets? Whose streets? Who cares whose streets they are? I want to talk to you about LA 92, which is a film we reviewed a few weeks ago about the Los Angeles riots that followed the acquittal of the police officers who nearly beat Rodney King to death. But today, we're going to talk about Whose Streets. This is a brand new documentary. Uh, it could have been called MO14, as in Missouri 2014, about the riots or disturbances or protests, whatever you want to call them, following the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri in 2014. So we have LA 92, about these major riots in LA, and then maybe a quarter century later, we have these, I hate to call them riots, but these street actions in Ferguson, Missouri, about the same thing. The killing of an, un, well, beating of Rodney King, but the killing of an unarmed black man, Michael Brown, a kid, actually. Uh, the film, Whose Streets? It's produced by Sabah Paloyan and Damon Davis, their first film. It's not as polished as LA 92, which was a National Geographic production, but it's equally powerful. And it's, in a sense, the same kind of film. A lot of clips, LA 92 before cell phones, but it used a lot of home videos. This uses a lot of cell phone video. But does this film, Whose Streets, does something that LA 92 does not. It personalizes the story by following three activists. There's Brittany Farrell and Alexis Templeton, and they're a lesbian black couple. And that's, I can't tell whether that's important or not. They show their wedding. I think it's just to, to show that they are willing to be out there. You know, they're open about, about who they are and their activism. And they compete with this other guy, uh, David Witt, and they compete in this way. They compete to see who's the most charismatic leader in front of a crowd and who's also is the most courageous in front of a phalanx of overarmed police. I don't mean they're competing knowledgeably about it, but in the film, you can see he keeps saying, who is, the, who is the bravest? Who is the smartest? Who's, who is the most articulate? And, and also, who's the cutest? I tell you, these people are, are really good looking and, and, and fun to look at. Uh, David Witt lives in an apartment complex right where the shooting happened, right, right, acro right across the street. And all three of these people I mentioned, they're completely committed to the cause of free speech, black empowerment, and fight, fighting police brutality. And at the same time, and this is, I think, what makes, makes the film work, they have real lives. They have kids to raise, jobs to go to, families to protect. So it's not this abstraction, all these people on the street and they're shouting and this, there's stores burning and the cops are beating them and they're running from the cops and this tear gas and you see all of that. But you also see the commitment that is necessary. You see well, the, the woman, Brittany, saying, what if I end up with a felony? What's that gonna do to my life? You know, how am I gonna, how am I gonna feed my child? Right? And that's very real. So let's listen to a clip from Whose Streets. Anybody growing up here, you tangibly know when you cross the county line, you gotta drive a little differently. Your behavior changes because you know how policing changes. Jersey police just killed a man in front of my apartment. People flooded in the area have some experience with police. Things have never been right for black folks in America. We're trying to mourn and you came here with 300 cop cars, right, here in canine units. You gonna shoot me too? but that ain't the story that you hear about. If there's going to be any change, it starts with our children. This is what democracy looks like. 
there are many great chants in this film. And one of the things I kept thinking about was the uh, white nationalists who march also could be saying this is what, what democracy looks like. It's kind of scary because people embrace free speech, embrace the idea of, embrace the idea of democracy on, on both sides. But here, of course, you feel the sympathy for these people and you don't feel the sympathy for the white supremacists. There are so many unforgettable scenes in this film. There's protesters confronting a black female cop who, and the cop can barely maintain her composure when she's being told she should be on the other side. I mean, she starts to tear up, but she doesn't, she doesn't break ranks. There's an interview with Darren Wilson. He's the guy, the cop who shot Michael Brown. George Stephanopoulos is the interviewer. And Wilson says, you can't perform the duties of a police officer and have racism in you. It's jaw-dropping when he says this. It's so patently stupid <laughs> that you wonder if a sentient human being could actually come up with that or whether some inept public relations hack told him to say it. And then there's these incredibly powerful images of these memorials to Michael Brown that are mostly stuffed animals that are placed right on the street and in the middle of the street where, we, where he died. And at times, somebody comes by and sets him on fire. The cops come. They say, you can't have the memorial here. They say, yes, we are, and they put him there. And as far as I know, those memorials are still there. And just to see all those stuffed toy animals, because you know Michael Brown was just a kid. And that is a very powerful symbol. And one other difference between this film, Whose Streets, and the LA 92 film about the Rodney King riots, is the use of tweets. And they put the tweets on the screen with that characteristic tweet sound. And they come up in the stump speeches that the activists make. The point they make is that social media has changed the way the protests are organized and talked about. Yet, when you see that other film in 1992, they organized those protests and had the people on the street without the social media. So it makes me question, is it that important? This film, I said, it's raw, it's rough. There's no spoon feeding at all. It's a good reminder of the tensions that hang in the air, like the smell of ozone before a storm. You just know it's coming. After watching this, I thought the whole country should take a knee after watching this film. It's whose streets? It's in the theaters now. Larry. It seems that there's a new genre uh, between this film, the LA 92, this one, Who Streets, that there we, we will probably be seeing more documentaries. Well, we've seen so many coming out of the Middle East. The, the Arab Spring films are all basically constructed this way. There, there's not a lot of spoon feedings, a little bit of, of uh, title card narration, no actual narration, but it really it gives you a sense of what's really what really happened. And what I liked about this is that this was in the news very recently, and in fact, there are, are protests going on in Missouri right now over the acquittal of another officer. And by seeing this a couple of years later, it reminds you of what happened, but it also gives you details that you never saw before. Because so much of the news footage is already edited down to a very lean, you know, spoon feeding, here it is, a couple of minutes of it, just a, a, a stereotypical image. Whereas this gets into the individuals in the neighborhood, what the place looks like, and it gives you this background. For example, you see the hearings in the, in the mayor's office, the city council. You see the white police officers who are wearing those little plastic bands on their wrists that all say Darren Wilson. Right? And you know that they are saying, by, by putting that on there, they're saying we stand together in spite of what might have happened. They're not open-minded at all. In fact, 
you also get the impression that the community is not open-minded either. Uh, and I sometimes watch these films, films, particularly this one, and say there's no nuance here. But that's okay. That's their, it's their piece of propaganda. They made the film. This is their point of view, and they're letting us see it. I would like to see a more nuanced film. I'd like to see a film that presents not necessarily both sides, but a little more, more detail. For, for example, there are, there are some films out there that say, what are the pressures on a police officer? How well are they trained? Why do they respond this way? This film doesn't do that. However, it does give you the sense, if you don't know Ferguson, if you don't know Florissant, if, if you don't know Kirkwood, those parts of Missouri, outside, just outside the city, you will get to know it better and have a better sense of what happened. And for that, just that alone, this film is worth seeing. There could be a, a film festival, on, an, Afri an African-American film, film festival on injustice, on institutional racism, and this film would be in there. So would LA 92, so would 13th, so would este, um, one produced, um, I don't remember the director's name, called Detroit. Yes. Uh, th it's a sad commentary that there could be enough films to make a film festival out of it. And I don't think we're, I don't think we're at all, all done with this. But, you know, racism, you know, when people say end racism, that's a, uh, you know, that's a fantasy. You're not going to end racism. It's a natural human condition to fear the other to re resent somebody different from you. What you need, what well, of course we need when you say end racism is that we need to enforce the laws that we already have. Right? We need to end the inequality and a lot of this is economic inequality and that doesn't come out in the film very much except visually that you see these people are living under circumstances that are not a wealthy suburb. Uh, now, but it doesn't tell you anything about what happened in St. Louis. For example, St. Louis uh, the counties were never included into the city did not absorb the counties. Therefore, the city doesn't get the income from the counties. Some of the counties are very wealthy and, and very white and Republican, and the inner cities don't get any money, so they're impoverished. They'll be impoverished forever. It's sort of it's a kind of an, an analogy to to gerrymandering, where you push people out and you've lost the ability to have control and power over your own community. Well, there's a body of work that's being has been being created uh, in the last few years that will continue. We'll continue to see more films coming out. And I wonder if we survive Trump, if from here to 10 years, say, we look at this period uh, in filmmaking, in documentary filmmaking, and we say this was a... The golden age? The golden age of documentary filmmaking on the racism, particularly in the African-American, against African-Americans. Yeah, and I think there's also going to be a major technological change in documentary filmmaking where we're going over to virtual reality and a different use of graphics. And in a way, I think we'll, we will find that this simpler form is something we will miss. That people will, you can already see it where people use three cameras to shoot an interview. And as a result... You hate that. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it be, be, because what it means is instead of being clever and figuring out what your B-roll is going to be, you just put another angle of the interviewee on, and it makes for sloppy filmmaking. But as we have more te technological uh, gizmos, we might lose some of the craft, and I'm worried about that. And when you think about a film like Who's Streets, which is mostly made up of clips, will people tolerate film that is basically a clip show archival material when there are other snazzier ways of making films. I, I hope not. Maybe the analogy is people still read 19th century British literature <laughs> in spite of the fact that we have more experimental forms of the novel. So maybe it will never, it will never go away. There are people who still like rotary phones. And you were saying just a few moments ago that you've updated your phone and the, the operating system and it looks very different. Yes, uh, my phone now can give me a massage, which I like very, very much. 
<laughs> and it has it has a water filtering fil feature, which works very well. <laughs> so I'm very happy with my with my new phone. And remember, you have this job coming up where you're going to lead the people of Puerto Rico, the diaspora. Where are you taking them? Oh, I'm taking. <laughs> we're going to part the we're going to part the Caribbean Sea, and they're going to walk to Florida, and then they're going to vote. They're going to vote Democratic. Thank you, Larry, for that giant effort you've taken upon yourself. I appreciate it. <laughs> Any, anytime, Natalia. Thank you. Bye-bye. This is Vaya Con Munoz with Natalia Munoz on 96.9 WHMP.